All right, Damo, true or false? We are not revered as an on-field analytical podcast. I'd say that's true. <laughs> yeah, true. Our hours of deep dive research into game statistics, match vision, mm. and the development of predictive performance algorithms have until now flown under the radar. Uh, moderately true. <laughs> Where are you going? My formidable football brain has mm. hitherto been underestimated. Knowing you, I would say that's true. Nostradamus would have less <laughs> luck tipping the eye catcher for Anzac Day. I know where you're going with this one. Absolutely true. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Last week's pod. Mm. So I reckon young Jack Ginovan, he mm. just lusts after that fame and fortune. Big occasion. He yeah. wants to be the eye catcher. He's got the Boris Johnson uh, blonde flop energy. Mm, mm. And you can just see him on a big stage, biggest stage you would have played on, yeah. kicking a check side on the run from near the boundary and yeah. just igniting the outer where we'll be standing in the standing room. Mm, well, the stage is set, isn't it? It's, it's, it's ripe for one of these young Collingwood kids to kind of make a statement on, on, the, on the world stage, on the biggest stage. All right, Damo, that's it. I just wanted my yeah. time in the sun. No, good, good, good. And, and look, it hasn't gone unnoticed. We had, I think, two people reach out to us and uh, two of our listeners and, and, um, and praise you for your, uh, for your uncanny prediction of um, Ginovan tearing at a new one on the MCG on Monday. So, yeah, I think that does put, put to bed. I think we're known as the sort of left field cultural uh, commentary podcast on Collingwood. But, you know, for the insight, for your betting syndicates, look no further than, um, than a weekly dose of pie hard to give you that kind of insider knowledge, insider perspective. We'd sensed with this kid that that it was, you know, threatening to boil over in a good positive way. And um, geez, we love it. We love a how old is he? Seventeen or eighteen? We love it. We love a teenager 15. kind of st- fifteen stepping yeah. up. Yeah, stepping up on Anzac Day, don't we? It's um, it's becoming a little bit of a uh, what was it? Seedsman, McGoff. Oh yes, Ginovan. even Travis Cloak on Spawn even- Time. Big Trav, yeah, it's just it's it's becoming a bit of a um a bit of a trend with the Collingwood Football Club, isn't it? A lot's like, been made of Jack Inovan winning the Anzac Medal in his tenth game, but I'd say an even greater achievement would be being the almost the sole focus of the Pie Hard Podcast ten yeah. games in. I'm not sure anyone's achieved that except maybe Nick Dacos. But um, thank you for humouring my five minutes in the sun. Mm, always wanted welcome. to um you know get that kind of cred. I've also always wanted to do this. This is Pie Hard. <laughs> well done. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. Wong's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh, a weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable than myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, your peanut. Shut up. Hello, everyone. This is Damian Miller and Alex Watkins. Uh, we are Pie Hard, the podcast that fuses, forges together the worlds of Collingwood and culture to bring you the hidden story, strange beauty, offbeat culture, and uncanny predictions of mm-hmm. Collingwood and beyond. You bet. Let's launch straight into our Pie Hard-esque review of the Essendon match, Al. And I'm mm. going to kick off with you to start off with the hero. That's right, Damo. Game in a movie. And it would be remiss of us not to nominate uh, Jack Ginnivan as the hero. It's an obvious choice. In fact, I'm sure every Pie Hard listener and every Collingwood supporter has spent the entire week watching Jack Ginnivan highlights like I have mm. and stewing in the, the aftermath of that kind of glory. But... I suppose I've had the whole week now to reflect on why Jack's the hero and I guess what it means for us as mm. supporters. It's obviously a big story about generational change, Damo, mm. and the difficulty that that media pundits like Kane Corns have in mm. accepting that there's other ways to go about a great mm. game. You don't yeah. have to be a robot. And that's been a kind of dominant 
narrative. But I think that whilst it is about the arrival of the TikTok generation, I would go so far to say that it's it's also a tale as old as time, really. And it's an obvious it's an obvious uh, observation. It's about youth, Damo, and it's mm. about the regenerative impact of youth. And my yeah. thoughts during the week, when when I not when obviously I nominated uh, Jack as the hero, went back to Daisy Thomas. Now, mm. if you recall Daisy Thomas being drafted in two thousand and five, within a very short span of time, he became the clubhouse leader in regards to merch sales. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's there's some parallels with the current situation potentially with Jack Ginevan. Mm. Two years post contending. Daisy Thomas came into the fold hmm. um, and he just set a light those merchandise stands outside the MCG. I think that the Daisy Thomas badge, you know, sold out, you know, in, in oh, about yeah. 30 times as fast as the Prestige Como badge that year. Yep. Who instantly is now the head of merch. So it's a nice little um, <laughs> loop. But I think that it's worth noting that um, when you're going through a rebuilding or regeneration in a club, mm. you need a prince. You need. Mm. The Prince, um, and you need the chosen one. We've got the chosen one, Nick Dacos, um, who incidentally has kind of flown under the radar. You know, do you know that Nick Dacos is averaging twenty six point two disposals in his debut season? Incredible, extraordinary. Incredible. And I'd go so far to say that Nick Dacos has flown under the radar. And mm. part of that, part of that is players like Jack Ginnivan. He's a hero today um, because, in a classic coming of age sense we see him bud and bloom and blossom before our eyes mm. um, with just pure, unadulterated self-belief. Yeah. And through Jack, we all feel young as supporters. Yeah, it's the elixir, isn't it? It's the fountain of youth. And he's the complete package. And I like I like the, um, the link to Daisy Thomas because Daisy, he was like the face of the, you know, like the kids' membership, wasn't he? Like mm. I don't forget what it Kids was. Kids just loved Daisy. Yeah, they really, really resonate with with the younger, with the younger kind of fan base. And you know, if we just look at Ginevan, he's 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 got the complete package. He's got the baby face, mm-hmm. like baby face, Jack yes. Ginevan. He's got that Smooth. kind of cher- cherubic mm, sort of hasn't it's the cheeks. No, no hard edges. There's no. still a little bit of um, kind of a moon plump, face pl- plumpness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a bit of moon face. Um, he's got the hair. He's on TikTok, which is really important. Yep. I think um, this is a sound out to the club too. It's like it's, it's time we moved into the TikTok sphere. Mm. I think we should break this down in a future episode of Pie Hard, but it's where the world's youth is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can move away from Facebook. You can start to move away from Instagram. We need to be doing more of that. And who better to lead the charge in the TikTok space than than Jack Ginevan? Um, what else is there to love about him? He He's quite a rough diamond. Did you hear his um, celebratory speech after winning the Anzac Day medal? I did, yeah. He, he failed to acknowledge, I guess, the occasion, but he did acknowledge the crowd. <laughs> um, you know, there was no talk of diggers. I think that we're talking no. about a co- conflict which took place 107 years ago, so that's to be forgiven. But, um, mm. yeah, he's a rough diamond. When, when people, when young players are not good media performers, they're not natural mm. media performers, it just mm. adds to how endearing they are. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that's, that's, that's all part of the charm and it's like just him getting up there and not being sort of, you know, having the media training kind of beat the life out of the individual and still sort of stumble and stutter and sort of like the very, like there's a very country drawl with Jack. Ginevan, obviously. Castlemaine. Based on where he comes from. Castlemaine. Castle Shout out to our, our, our pie hard listeners in Castlemaine. Castlemaine or Castlemaine? When these kids come into the system, it's like it takes like four or five years, unfortunately, for that to kind of be sort of beaten out of them. Mm. Um, and so when when there's a kid that kind of comes comes of age in front of our eyes very early on, and we see that um we see that rawness, it it speaks to us mm. and it connects with us because we were all that peroxide blonde kid. You're right. You're right. Male it's or female at some point in our lives. Vicarious. We, we get to live that dream vicariously. Yeah. And we love, there's just the similarities with Dale Thomas is just like an electrifying goal kicker. And Ginevan, you know, he was kicking bags of 100 when he was 14. We all know, we all know the background now. Um, just know has that sensibility of where the goals are. Daisy Thomas was the same. 
And there's just something about that irrepressible goal kicking sense that's like lights mm. it up. And um, you can't teach to- that. The kid's had it since birth, obviously. He's like a chubby 10 mm. year old, like kicking a ton. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. The other thing I loved mm. during the week demo was a kind of a bit of a learning from the Ginnivan story. You know how when draftees get brought into the club, they get kind of billeted out in a chaperone system to senior Collingwood players. <laughs> Do they, do they, oh, I thought you were going to say they live, you know, you know, when they used yeah. to live with like yeah. a club, oh, you know, that. the committee like, men? They used to live with like Jeff they Walsh. They still do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but nowadays they they get billeted out to live with senior magpies. That's right. So, that's right. And it's always struck me as weird. I've never quite got it. I always presumed that it was you get it's a super country weird. kid or an interstate kid and the club's worried about them being lonely um, and kind of you know, at a loose end. And so you put him in with a senior player and they have company and keep the spirits up and encourage them. But during the week, I I actually found out the true reason behind it. Did mm. you hear Taylor Adams came out in an interview and said, oh, actually, there's more to Jack Inovan than you think. He lived with me when he first came to the club. I'm like, okay, you know, that's mm. interesting. What do you think that, you know, and this is an honest question, what do you think hey, Taylor I- Adams did after the game when he got home? Um... Oh, I don't know. Watch the replay. Watch the replay. He would have packed some ice on his sore bits. On his groin. Cold yep. shower, um, rehydrated, some go- maybe some Gatorades or some, you know, what are those uh, ISO, you know, I don't even know. Some sports science, right? He's going yeah, to take yeah, care yeah, of himself. Yeah. Maybe some kicking practice. What yep. do you think Jack Inovan did when he got home after the game? Oh, he would have ripped the lid off a uh, can of ice cold Coke. Well, uh, smashed a sausage roll and gone to the movies. Turns out that would be an understatement. A video was leaked during the week mm. of Ginevan returning home, video taken by his mates. Mm. His Castlemaine mates, the crew, has yeah. invaded his apartment, yeah. filled it with streamers <laughs> and balloons <laughs> and like party right. poppers. He's opened the door. Surprise. Surprise party. Spray- oh, sprayed him in it. the face with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> they've, got, they've got him in a headlock, broken his glasses, his sunglasses, which for some reason he's wearing at midnight. Oh, how did I miss this? And absolutely dragged him into the apartment in, in a big party. And it kind of, it actually made me realise, okay, I get it, why young players get billeted to senior players. It's not yeah. to keep them from getting lonely. <laughs> it's to help them avoid the pitfalls of an absolute all-night hoedown mm. with mates from home <laughs> who have no knowledge or respect for the professionalism required to recover at the elite level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. Been, I, did, I, I didn't. I didn't see that, but geez, that would have been a that would have been a late party, I reckon. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah love funny. it, love it. Yeah, it's it's great. I remember, I remember seeing um, Poulter sort of uh, billeted out to uh, Jack Crisp, and because Crisp has yeah, like three that. kids, right? He has yeah, like yeah. three kids. He's like super young, but that's has the that thing. Family. What does the wife think about this situation? And like, it, like and this looks, snotty eighteen-year-old. <laughs> Bush rat. <laughs> it looks it looks so unnatural. Yeah. Um and they'll try and know, they'll try and make the draft here like cook dinner for the night. And of course yeah, they'll always yeah, cook pa- they like can't do pe- shit. Yeah. penne with mm. like mm. passata. That's about all they can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a, a dolmio sauce. Yeah, exactly. Com- combination. It's like, oh that's really um, it's really good, uh Caleb. Um thanks for cooking tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I preferred the good old days where there was just sort of like you know the the president or the um, you know the head of finance or whatever would just take a procession a procession of all the all the players. But yeah, lo- love that, love that celebration from Jackie Devon. I had a I had a villain. All right, hit me out of um, out of Monday's game and looking squarely at the former Collingwood coach Lee Matthews. Mm. This, was Lee, this was Lee Lee Matthews' comments after the game. Okay, on three AW, the only downer for me, seriously, there was the pregame. We think the pregame. Well, that's the event part of it because it's just the game. Once the siren sounds and they bounce the ball, they did the motorcade of all the ex-service people, and just automatically and instinctively, the crowd just stood up and applauded. It's just a fantastic thing. The acknowledgement that, that the crowd has. Then that finished. And then in the 10 or 15 minutes before they went into the rest of the Anzac ceremony, they put on a rock band. Just seems so inappropriate. Wrong place and wrong time to have a rock band, a flamboyantly dressed rock band, belting out two or three tunes 
for the intervening 10 or 15 minutes. I can tell you the crowd looked to me around us to have no interest whatsoever. They were just doing their chatter and getting ready for the Anzac ceremony, which everyone thinks is so special in its own right. Now, the band in question mm. is Lime Cordial, uh, Triple J favorites. Worked with these guys once, actually. Um, mm. Nice yeah. lads. Yeah. Uh, the garments in question were sort of a combination of neon cowboy meets um, rhinestone Sergeant Pepper esque. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like well, well, well tailored suits. I mean, it actually looked fantastic from where I was. But yeah, my issue with Lee Matthews is, look, we understand the importance of Anzac Day. Let's not forget we are watching a game of football, getting blind drunk. Mm. There's fights in the crowd, so let's not let's not turn the actual game into a uh, into the actual, yeah. you know, dawn dawn service. It's not no and. I think the AFL's done a great thing because there's a lot of artists and acts around Australia that have had their income completely decimated over the last two or three years. So to give a young band like like this one or any other band around the country an opportunity to perform, get paid, and um, and you know celebrate the occasion, I think you know in the in the interest of talking about Jack Ginevan and the perceptions between maybe the old school and the new school and yeah. how things are changing and turning and evolving and just how we look to kind of celebrate the occasion. I think I think it's I think Lee's probably a little bit out of step there. Lee, you sound like a ninety eight year old grandpa from the Menzies era. <laughs> he like is, isn't he? Yelling is at he? young kids playing rock and roll like mm. in the late fifties. Yeah, the know. Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles. What's that guy that did um Great Balls of Fire? You know, anyway. Yeah. yeah. He's not just out of touch, he's out of step and mm. he's being sanctimonious. Mm. I'm going to extend this actually into into a blasphemy because mm. I've got some issues with Lee. <laughs> Let's have it. Well, my issues with Lee are around mm. his commentary. Do you remember in the mid-2000s when he was... I think it was maybe it was late 2000s. I can't exactly remember when some murmurs started to come out of the Brisbane Lions that the players didn't think he was quite up with the strategy of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I've never forgotten that, and I think that Lee's great strength was as a strong leader, putting forward a basic game plan, um, and you know enabling his players to to play a tough style of football. But he wasn't mm. he wasn't really au fait with the ins and outs of strategy and moving magnets and you know, mm. the way the modern game's going. And I see that with his commentary. He's got a lot of, I think he's got a lot of misses. I'll, mm. I'm going to say it, like I'm kind of infuriated when I hear Lee commentate a lot of the time. I feel mm. like he's he's often kind of not not quite up with, you know, I remember watching the Lions game a couple of weeks ago. He just hasn't done any research. He doesn't understand why Cox is wearing glasses. He has to get it explained to him like the retina thing yeah. by McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. You know, on the weekend when I watched the replay, it's like the Maya check mark, one-handed over the boundary line. I mean, mm. like in my book, if you're t- if you're if you don't juggle the ball, you didn't juggle the mm. ball. It's stuck to him. Mm. And you take it over. It's a mark, and it just it just irked me. Like Lee, kind of coming out with his his criticisms. I'm going to say it also. Like his criticism of Parish made headlines mm. in the media. He's basically saying that you know Parish, his possessions were useless. I know that's a really popular like mm. point narrative. of view, a narrative to kind of to take down the guy who has a bazillion you know possessions in that kind yeah. of Mitchell. British, whatever that mold. But yeah. the reality is like Parrish, and I'll defend him here. This is blasphemy too, defending a Con- mm. uh, Essendon player. Mm. Parrish, when he was being influential before he got injured, he was everywhere in those clearances. And yeah. more often than not, he was the guy getting the ball out to a runner or, you know, generating some forward momentum. I know that he's might not be as impactful as Dugowie. I agree with mm. that, in fact. But like Lee Matthews just hangs shit on a player who's, who's like probably – been one of the three best bombers on the day. I yep. think it's it's kind of disingenuous, but it's also I just think it's a little bit lazy. I'm going to mm. say it like Lee Matthews. I think his time's up. I don't know. Uh, he's hanging on to this kind of reputation as as the all time one of the best players. Some people would say the best player, tough guy. You know, he's done it all. Multi premiership winning player. He's a legend in our eyes forever because he's won a flag for the Pies. But mm. a bit old in the tooth. 
you think? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be handing the GoPro to Lee Matthews at the end of a game. I just think that's not gonna. It's not gonna result in in the content that we're looking for. So, yeah, villain of the day, Lee Matthews. Think that's pretty reasonable. Was there a sexy love scene that sort of uh, piqued your interest during the game? The one I've gone with, Damo, is Bly McRae coaching from the bench. Mm. This is a love scene in a, in a paternal way. It's paternal mm. love. In fact, I'd go so far to say that Fly McRae is the dad we all wanted. Yep. Here he is on the bench, mano a mano, you know, in close proximity, intimate confines with the players as they come on and off. He's explaining, encouraging, he's nurturing. Mm. Um, there's two things about that. One, I like that the connection he's developing with players and I think that there is a bit of love that goes both ways. We saw like Ginevan in the press conference like pat him on the back and that kind of tactility, you know, you don't yeah. see. You traditionally, um, the other side of it, which I'm impressed with, is Fly's ability to delegate. So early mm. in his senior coaching career, could you imagine Nathan Buckley delegating all the moving of the magnets to his assistant coaches in his first year? Like, no, I think that was <laughs> that was the issue ultimately, yeah. wasn't it? I think it took him like seven years to like really begin to delegate, and then we had some success because mm. Longmuir took us to a flag. Another mm. blasphemy, but um. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's impressive and maybe we're starting to see the fruits and the advantages of that really experienced assistant coaching crop. Do you remember the other day, I think it was against Adelaide when we were at the um, <clears throat> very fortunate enough to have been invited into the uh, committee room at the MCC mm. and the seats the seats that we had that day were right next to the coach's box. Right, yeah. And I remember, I remember looking up and... I guess the expectation was that McRae would be front and center in the coach's box with his um, confidants mm. sort of surrounding him, but he was back left, like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and and up against the window, like <laughs> visible to the crowd. Yeah, who gets so the best seat? Is it Levitch or Bolton? Bolton gets a seat with the cushions on it to boost him it, up. It, it wasn't McRae. He was he was like in a cinema. I think that's apart from being in the front row. It's like you don't want to be like. Far on one side, no, right? You get a ne- you neck you want, spasms you, from looking sideways. You get the, the neck spasms. You want you you know, or a tennis match. You want you want to keep yeah. it keep it clear. But I I I noticed that that was a bit weird. Mm. And then I think after the Brisbane game, yeah, he did move to that sort of on the ground coaching. I did, I was at the game, so I didn't notice where he was. But you're saying he was coaching from the boundary the, the entire game. So he's decided to do a month on the in the box and a month. The sidelines, and he's come out now and said that he much prefers being on the sidelines to what? have that Is it- immediate rapport with players to be able to like much in in a much more timely fashion mm. give the message. And then Lepich and Bolton mm. and whoever else, Hayden Skipworth, they're in the box with the Doing magnets, the strategy. and they're actually in charge. Well, there's obviously an overarching strategy of the game plan, but then the moving of the magnets is in the box, which is an incredible degree mm. of delegation at this stage and but uh, it actually makes me feel safer i mean i yeah. do i think lepich does have a good football brain from the evidence that we have and i, I think yeah. that i think that bolton is a very analytical pygmy dwarf so i think that you know those two combined <laughs> do bring a lot of experience i'm, I'm good with it i like it <laughs> no it's good it's it's a it's a long it's a long cry from the days at vic park when there was the uh, portable school um, classroom yeah. stuck on top kind of the stand, cl- clagged on top of the stand, clagged on, and and uh, Tony Shaw would have to ascend into that skybox through like some kind of like construction cladding. Yeah, would yeah. take like seventeen minutes to get to and from that sort of <laughs> yeah. weird, weirdly perched sky nest. Yeah, you've got um, this like sky, skywalk across the roof to get into <laughs> yeah. the demountable, and on the top of the roof is like. Debris from old advertising hoardings and like <laughs> yeah, yeah, decades yeah, just, of like shit. Yeah, <laughs> so such a unique look. I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget sort of like seeing that. But just you know, having that full ground view, you probably couldn't see shit from up there. But yeah, okay, love that, love, love fly. It look, it fits, it fits the mo, doesn't it? The school mm. teacher, the like, you know, the um, what's that movie with Matt Damon and Robin Williams? Oh uh, yeah, Goodwill Hunting. No, Dead Poets Society. Oh. It's, it's sort of like, you know. It doesn't have get- Matt Damon. That's just got Robin <laughs> Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll okay. If we make the finals, if we ever win a flag, <laughs> I, hope they carry, I hope they carry him off like they did with Robin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The ultimate absolutely. father figure. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Okay, what have we got next? Oh, the twist. Okay. So I've got the twist. Okay. There's always always a plot twist in a Collingwood game. And my plot twist. Uh, plot t- <laughs> plot tit. <laughs> and my plot twist was vintage Scott Pendlebury. Oh yeah. Now yeah. we've be- we've just we've just given up on Pendlebury sort of being in the middle anymore. He's he's been moved to the back line. He's sort of the general down there. Mm-hmm. It's sort of seen as the you know the last throws of Pendlebury's mm. reign. Changing of you the know, guard. It's, it's it's the exit strategy, right? For a, for a senior um, champion footballer is kind of moved back and and then out. But I don't know when was it? Was it like the third quarter? He was like start of the fourth, I think. Start of the fourth was in the middle, taking the center bounces. And just that classic, for, for a period there, it was like a complete, like he's known for stopping time, but this one felt like he was mm. rewinding time. Three clearances when the Bombers had, you know, domination in that side of the game. Yeah, and just the, the, just those moments, right, where he gets the ball and it's like it feels a lot longer than it is. It's probably only like five seconds, but just uh, seemingly no one goes for him and he's just evading yeah. and sort of, Moving out and then gets a clear and he's clear often, kick out. He's often grabbing the ball somehow out of the like air it, right? with his hand yeah. on top of the ball as if it's yeah. a basketball and yeah, kind of bring yeah, it totally. in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like he's got that, but I mean, you know, mm. he was a basketball well, player as a junior, but didn't know. There's a bit of a love scene. This twist is turning into a love scene, but no, it was just that to me. That and Brody uh, and Brody Grundy's, um, oh, yeah. you know, epic. Herculean fourth That's quarter. That's worth a mention. And the the what did you make of the pulling of the jumper? Because there's a lot of feeling in that from mm. Brody, and I think that's quite that's quite kind of an insight. Oh, uh, that was a message, right? And and look, he cops it. Um, he cops it for his endeavor at times. He cops it for the length of his contract. He mm. cops it for the money he's on. He cops it a lot, uh, ourselves included, for his his drive and his want for team success and at times um you know his his output as a ruckman but you know that that to me is like that's that's a clear message any jumper we love any kind of jumper pull especially when it's got the crest yeah there's a kiss on the crest or a jumper pull and you could just tell that um that was a bit of a message to both collingwood fans and the wider football community that um he gives a shit and can't argue with that. Can't yeah, argue with heroic, that. Lo- love, love the overflowing passion. Love the, love the, um, love the, the, the double fist celebration or the jumper pull. It's, it's great to see. It's what we live for. And, um, and it was also, yeah. I thought it was kind of bookended by the interview we did on Fox after the game mm. where Nathan Buckley did this quite patronizing tone of voice. He said, Oh, Brody, you got towed up by Draper. In second, third quarters, he got really got on top of you, and that was the kind of start of Buck's question. And the disinterest on mm. Brody Grunny's face was really interesting. The interview was really flat because he was not engaged. Partly, I think, because of Buckley, but also, I do think that that for me that feeds into this idea that he's kind of had it up to here with criticism from the wider community and the media, and. Yeah. He's not willing necessarily to give a lot back and, and the jumper pool was an indication that what he is going to give is to his teammates yeah. and, and to and his I w- pride for the team. I wonder if that point, um, you know, he knew the severity of his knee injury and, you know, no one else did. The football public didn't know. Buckley didn't know. And yeah. it was kind of like that. That sort of channeled the disinterest in like, if you only fucking knew. Yeah, totally. How I'm feeling right now, how I was feeling in that fourth quarter after I smacked my knee. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting. They had a frosty relationship, didn't they? That was on and off. It was hot and cold, wasn't it, Grundy? There was like Grundy in that um in that film that came out um a couple of years ago about the 2018 season where he was mm. quite critical of Buckley at the beginning and um you know felt like it was kind of the same old tired message and sort of yeah it was they 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 they'd had their challenges as a um as a as a coach and as a as a senior leader and that sort of changed sort of changed with Buckley and I won't you know no, but Brody was paraphrase like, the film Brody was the test tube baby for that change and mm. I thought that Buckley used Brody in those years as the example of we we want to celebrate individuals being themselves but that was also against the context of 
you know, when an individual is themselves, they might get told they look like a lesbian, like with the seedsman <laughs> dilemma. Yeah. And yep. so I think there was an element perhaps of, of Buckley, you know, doing the right thing from a messaging point of view, but whether or not he believed it, you know, down yep. to the fibre of his being. And it's interesting in, in contrast to the, the Ginevan situation, the Fly McRae thing, it just seems really smacks of being genuine and that you can yeah. actually express yourself and be yourself. Whereas, yep. whereas Grundy was meant to be that example. But I'm yeah. not sure that yeah, I'm not sure that he really gelled with Buckley. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And I think you could see that in that interview. I know a couple of people shared that interview with us, and um, yeah, not bo- body language experts here at Pie Hard, but uh, yeah, there was definitely um, there was definitely not a lot of vigor. Thanks, Coach. He said. If you don't mind, I'm going to kick it off with my hard yes. Another article that was sent to me by um, a friend of the pod, Ben Josky, over the week. I don't know if you saw this one, Alex, but, you know, one thing that's guaranteed with an Anzac Day blockbuster game is there's going to be a lot of fireworks on the field. There is going to be a lot of push and shove, a lot of aggression. There's a lot to play for. It's a special moment. It's a special day. The teams, regardless of where they marry up on the ladder, they always seem to bring their best. It's almost always a very kind of close uh, contest, right? Even if it blows out a little bit at the end, it's, it's always it's always a, a, a push and pull. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but the Essendon president's function mm. attended by dignitaries such as AFL Chief Executive Gillan McLaughlin and AFL Chairman Richard Guida, um. There was an incident in the men's cubicle where one of the attendees at the Essendon President's Club function was bashed in a cubicle, rushed to hospital, police were called, police were summoned into the President's Club function, the bar was shut immediately um, during the fourth quarter. And a 50-year-old man from Kensington was taken to hospital with injuries with two assailants fleeing the president's function or seen fleeing, sorry, the president's function uh, shortly after the assault. Now, I, if for anyone who's been to one of these president, president's club functions, it's kind of the coup de grace. Mm. It's the top, right? It's, it's about 550, 600 odd a ticket. Um. Lots of uh, former players are, are speaking. There's a mm. presidential it's, address, obviously. It's always under the, Scotty Cummins is always speaking. Cummings. Is it Cummings? In the, the Collingwood ones. Always always that guy. So, yeah. So, it's a very, it's a very, um, it's a very, it's, it's a black tie affair. And oh, right, uh, not quite a black tie, but yeah, it's, you know, it's the heart of the corporate, you know, the be- the beating corporate heart of the club is because mm. all the tables are basically sponsor tables, more or yeah, less. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, nice to see the Essendon um, corporate crew getting there. Is the implication here that the people that fleed had Collingwood scarves on or are we, are we <laughs> totally scot-free here? And, like, what do you think could mm. justify or, you know, lead to such a bashing in the cubicle? Mm. It's pretty extreme because you're not going to get away with that. No. <laughs> the, the stadium's riddled with cameras. So <laughs> it's a serious episode of rage to beat someone up bloody so they have to go to hospital um, at a high-end corporate event. Where- yeah, it's a, look, it's a good question. Don't don't we, we haven't seen any CCTV footage at the moment, so we're not we're not going to speculate on 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 the allegiances of the uh, of the uh, the two men who were wanted in connection to this crime. But yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Is it an argument over who got the chicken or the beef? Is it a <laughs> yes. does it go clearly- does it run deeper? Too many crown lagers. Clearly. Too many crown lagers, I think. And just I to be clear, is this, is this a hard yes? <laughs> <laughs> we just enjoy seeing other clubs just like shit the bed whenever. Yeah. It's- <laughs> I, I, I think I think this is firmly, firmly a hard yes. Now we oh, don't good, condone good. we don't yes. condone violence at the no. football, but um how yeah, I think just how someone comes to be bashed in a cubicle. There's some, you know, there's obviously some nefarious activity going on. Uh, I'll tell in, you what, when little- Paul Curia finally makes good his promise and mm, invites mm. us to the president function, mm. which we mm. expect to happen this year, we will be we will be in touch, yeah. Paul. 
um, take our knuckle dusters. Did I tell you the story about how I went to the um, the Collingwood President's function? It was a God, it was a couple of years ago now. But um, the the gentleman that greeted me at the mm. door and ticked my name off was none other than Chris Tarrant. Right. Wow. Matre D. Chris. Yeah, the, the host. Yeah, Matre wow. D. Host. So did he? What a way to start. What a way to start a president's function. Like, did he talk? Oh, he just said, "Welcome, fellas." No, I mean, yeah, did I he have a table. speech? Was he was he like <laughs> guest speaker? <laughs> not like, no, not does he talk? No, they it was a dis- they had Brenton Sanderson at this oh, one yeah. who kind of came came up and gave some um, speeches. I think I forget who was there. I think Dane Swan was there. Yeah, um, I think he missed the memo on the suit. Tell me at uh, our at our coach. president's function that we're going to go mm. to, who would mm. we like to be? You know, Great the guest question. the guest speaker. Well, just you know. Given the ticket price, I'm I'm looking for ultimate bang for buck yeah, here. So yeah. I, I'm going to say, not one, not two, not three, but four cloaks <laughs> yeah. together on the on the Hang on, on is the there pulpit. Four, the dad as well. Well, the dad. You got to get the dad right. You got the dad played for Collingwood. Yeah. Okay. And it's just like a like a TED talk well, with the yeah, yeah. with the four cloaks. It's like a twenty first and the sister and the sister twenty first speech where they have like a line yeah. each and they pass to yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that'd be classic. That's a good one. Uh, That's a good but, one. Yeah. I'd like to see cool. someone like Ben Johnson, friend of the pod. He's just so mm. incongruous in those corporate surrounds. He's gonna lay it lay it down in a, yeah, you know, no in cap. a way. Yeah, there's there's no filter. And I'm um, surprised. I'm surprised you didn't say Lee Matthews. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Heard nothing. Right. What about what about what about Ginevan's um, Castlemaine mates? <laughs> yeah, just they get talk, a table. Talk, talk us through their experience of um, of the aftermath of the uh, Anzac <laughs> Day game party and the cleanup. So good, It'd be interesting. All right, hard no. Do we have a hard no this week? I'll keep this quick, but we're entering a phase where both Mason Cox and Darcy Cameron are going to have some opportunities. We think to mm. contribute in the ruck. Department. Yep. I feel that Collingwood supporters, you know, me included at times, have been a little overcritical of both those players. I don't know about you, but I have them on a, a pretty level playing field at the moment. I think that, um, Cam- sorry, I think that Cox looked fairly bad last start, last senior mm. start. I mean, he looked all at sea, and he's a confidence player, we know, and he's got a bit of work in front of him. I think Cameron shows a lot in moments. Yeah. Um, and he, he perhaps he needs more of those moments, but I think that he's he's showing a bit. I probably at this stage got Cameron slightly ahead, but regardless, there's no reason with Grundy out for twelve weeks why both those can't contribute. I would suggest putting them both um, on the field, rotating ruck and forward, and trying yeah. to work over the opposition ruckman as best they can because they've both got some tricks up forward. We saw Darcy Cameron kick a awesome snap from long range, uh, set shot snap on the weekend, yeah. and we know that. Dar- um, we know that Mason, when he gets his confidence up, he can be a difficult, difficult kettle of fish to handle deep forward. Yeah. So, look, just lay off him a bit. Give him the 12 weeks. Watch them grow. Um, you know, it might be the last year we see Mason. It might not. But um, give him some time to flourish and and, um, and get behind him. Yeah, Darcy Cameron's only 26, right? So, right. I, I feel like you don't kind of come into your mould as a yeah. Ruckman. 28, like 29. 28, 29, 30. So, Agreed. I think I think he's you know I think this is a good opportunity for Cameron to kind of cement his um, his position in the team. Mason Cox, I'm not sure about. I think there's an argument to give uh, the young Aiden Beg a taste. Uh, I'm not saying throw him to the wolves. I'm just saying give him a give him a taste of senior football, one or two games. Well, it's interesting. He's um, been named in the extended squad, and by the time mm-hmm. the pod comes up, you know potentially they may have. Refined mm. that squad a bit. He's been named number one on the bench. You know, he's yeah, got right. like eight players in the interchange or whatever. And mm. that's some kind of that's some kind of statement. I mean, I haven't seen yeah. enough of him. I'd like to include him in my wrap of what might happen, but I just haven't really seen him. Um, and I, I tend to agree. Like, I think the wheel has turned on Mason. I think that I think that the realization that he's going to be kind of a work in progress in perpetuity has dawned on us uh, a little bit, but. It doesn't mean he doesn't have something to offer in this 12-week period. And yeah. uh, I think that um, Grundy's high standards now more than ever yeah. are going to be obvious to us uh, as these others yeah. try and fill his shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Cox is 32 as well at the start of next season. So we all know that that doesn't bode well. 
Um, and from a team fit, team perspective, I think he's given good loyal service, but it's not the way forward for us. And yeah, you may as well get Darcy Cameron, invest that time, invest that energy into him and, and, and get a look at Beg. My hard no was like yeah, telling what's your hard no? supporters to lay off the criticism of Mason. And ah, it's, ah, fin- ah, ah. it's finished with a categorical like end- ending of what, his career. What, your hard no <laughs> should be directed at me then. <laughs> no, look, he'll get an opportunity, Mason, but um, I agree he's not the long-term option. Darcy Cameron, I like, and let's get this chug. Let's, let's have a look at him. Let's have a look at him. Chug? Is- <laughs> That's the other one, isn't it? Isn't that his name? <laughs> no, Beg. it's Beg. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a chug as well. Oh, there's there's my- a chug and a beg. There's a beg chug. So there's let's have a look at all of them. Analysis. Let's get let's get let's get chug in as well. I mean, we do <laughs> talking about Lee Matthews not doing his research during uh, Channel 7's commentary. I, we I open think- this pod talking about my incredible analytical brain. Power. I reckon Lee's Lee's hard noise pie hard. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Well. What have we got? We've got a hard ask, don't we? Yeah, no, we've got a hard all right. ask. All right, let's. All right, sorry. We've got to give the fans their time in the summer. All right, it's our favourite segment of the week. It's hard ask. It's the segment where we throw out a question to our loyal harders on Twitter. And this week's. I mean, it's, this is the beginning of an episode, right? So, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep going on this yeah, one. Our question yeah, yeah. this week was, in light of babyface Jack Ginnivan's license to express himself, what are your favourite pies mm. player haircuts? Love love these hard asks where we get lots of images. Well, if, um, if you read them out, I'll try and describe what the hair, the hair looks like. Okay, we'll start off with Cable Brandon throwing us Taz with the dreadlocks in 2002. Explain what this looks like. Too short. His hair's too short to pull off dreadlocks, so it looks <laughs> terrible. He's got these. It's a dreadlock fringe, isn't it? He's got these two short dreadlocks at the front, like quotation yeah. marks on his forehead. Um, yeah. And you know, it'd be it'd be racial appropriation to try and pull it off now. No, Apart no, from anything no, else, no, really a terrible, that. terrible look. But thanks, Cable, Brandon. Yeah, Cable. Cable had another one too. Uh, Shane Wo Woden and his eye-catching peroxide blonde. Yeah. Ah, oh, Shane. I mean, it's is it was he one of the first players to really pull that look off. He was kind of known. I don't even know what Shane Warden's natural hair colour is, mm. but he, he wore it well. And he looked good in that Magpie Guernsey as well. Last one for C- Cable. Cable's just all over it, all over it, this one. Um, Jack Crisp with the peroxide blonde. Remember that? Yeah, that must have been kind of more recent. Uh, yeah. He's um, yeah. It's a neat-looking short back and sides with a neat-looking pushed up, pushed forward and up a little bit. It's yeah, dark at the dark at the neck and uh, getting very light peroxide at the top. I mean, Jack Bruce, wonder, what a star! He looks good in anything. He looks good in anything. Lyndon Dunn, remember Lyndon Dunn? Oh, yeah. sort of Mad Mad Max phase. Yeah, it was right in that era where Lyndon Dunn like, couldn't get on the park because he had dodgy like limbs, but he was like mm-hmm. the best clubman, and everyone, yeah. you know, great leader, great leader, Lyndon. He's really like expressed himself in that in that kind of loud barking instructions way, and he's gone with a. Shaved sides, big mullet look. Yeah, yeah, it was a big, it was a big statement. It, it was a, it was a statement of a man who knows his days are numbered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Alexandra underscore C eighty two said Damien Hullahan. Right. I don't have the picture up of this one, but um, we love Hullahan. In fact, Damo, one of your nicknames is Dam- Damien Hullahan. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just a long hair look, wasn't it? A really good nineties look. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good. It was a good nineties look. It was like blonde, long, muscular um, physique. Sort of looked like the uh, Fabio. You know Fabio. Yeah, good. I yeah, can't believe can't it's not butter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at Matt Gibbs ninety five just posted a photo of um, rampaging Leon Davis with the dreads. I think it was like early two thousands, but oh, that was a great look. Great look from Leon. Well, predator look. In contrast to. Taz, he can pull it off, Leon. Um, mm, mm. One of three magpies on here that people have suggested with the dreads. The others, of course, Scott Pendlebury. Um, Leon, you'd have to say he wears it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. There's the from at JMCK1982 posted the photo of Travis Cloak's mohawk. Do you remember oh, Travis Cloak's? I had forgotten about this. I think because 
because of PTSD. You know, you mm. just like have to bury it because it's so yeah. real. It's <laughs> especially, bad. especially this one because I think the mohawk. <laughs> it's really been kind of held up by a lot of fudge. Um, yeah, and it's quite a vertical kind of quiff mohawk with shaved yeah. sides. And Travis, you know, he's he always tried hard. Travis, both on the field yeah. and aesthetically, but he, yeah. but he couldn't hit a barn door. And um, no. same goes for his hairstyles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, just the opposite of, of, of I guess, uh, Taz's sort of attempt at the dreadlocks was sent in by at Lee Gupetta, and it was Shane O'Brien, his element, when he had what could be described as the opposite. He had like sausage, sausage sized dreads. Remember that period that were peroxide. Blonde in right, colour. Yeah. Well, Aubrey could kind of pull off more of that Australian surface stoner look. Like yeah. Ash Grunwald, yeah. um, guy. Yeah, you know, that kind of beachside kind yeah. of punching kind of Super dirty. Look. Yeah, and I think that Super love cheesy Aubrey. Saw him in a park once mm. and mm. he just looks so he just he's just such a humble guy. He'd be a great guy to get the pod. We'd love to speak to Shane O'Brien. If anyone's got um, got a relationship with Shane, let us know. Yeah. All right, some more favourites here. Damo, Brennan McCarthy mm. sending a picture of the one and only Ron McEwen. Describe. Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like we all had this haircut at one point and I, I call this one the dumb, and, the dumb and Dumber and it's kind of the it's the photo where yeah. um, your mum or the hairdresser would put a stainless steel bowl over your head and cut a really straight a really straight and defined fringe line. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing to see. And you've, you've even got with Ron McEwen, the chest hair. Yeah. Um, sort of uh, creeping up like a vine uh, out of the uh, the woolen spices paper jumper. So just as a complete, and then the chip tooth. So just a, as the, a complete the package, I think. smile, yeah. There's something the in Ron the smile. Mc, the Ron McEwen, it's, hard, it's a hard, hard one to pass up. Thank you, Brennan McCarthy. Good one there. Kai Burb- Burbridge sent in a picture of a long-haired Ronnie Weirmouth. Mm. Now, Ronnie Ronnie was the original rock and roll Collingwood footballer, wasn't he? He was uh, shirt untucked yeah. at a time when that was frowned upon, socks down. In fact, love. in the photo, I think it's one of those Guernseys which has buttons up the front. That's how – is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lace-up. Yeah, it's yeah, a lace-up. Lace which and is showing its age. It's before our time, thing, but he's an iconic player, right? Yeah. The thing with Ronnie Weirmouth is, if you can, if you can imagine a dirtier, wilder Johnny Platten. I don't even know if that's possible, but <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie yeah. was that guy. He was just, you know, fearsome attack on the ball, and just looked like he had emerged like a wild man out of a forest prior <laughs> to a game. Classic. So it's really crazy. Now, Turtle, crazy shit. friend of the pod, Turtle, has sent in a picture of Stuart Atkin rocking an afro in 1983. Wow. Damn. With the Yakka badge. That's right. That's right. And what do we see here? So it's kind of like that soul glow. So that coming to mm, America style. Curls. Yeah, yeah. Got the, got the, the, got the tight perm. Uh, curls are looking great. Voluptuous. A little bit of lift. A little bit of body. And facial hair, which I think in 1983 probably, you know, got you on the wrong side of, of the coach. Um, <laughs> probably why we haven't heard looks, a lot of Stuart Atkin. No, no. Looks pretty good. No relation to Damien Atkin. Mm, hasten to add no. he's white. Mm. But um, I suppose yeah, yeah, the okay, Afro, yeah. it does look like a, a soul glow, as you said. And mm. finally, one of my favorites, uh, Chris Hatsis has sent in oh, a photo. Time. He's captioned it. Renee Kink's hair always had a quiet dignity about it. Yeah, <laughs> which is a great. I was, yeah, I don't know about. I don't know if this was quiet, but it just imagine. What is that? Imagine a cross between a Muppet and Harry and the Hendersons, <laughs> and you've got you've got this yeah, you've got foot. this spectacle. You've got this Bigfoot. Yeah. Um. You've you, you've got this uh, huge Goliath of a man, and it's almost like a Lego. Helmet, yeah, has Lego just hair. been in Lego hair has just been inserted over this guy's. It's head. almost like now, someone skinned a grizzly bear and put the entire skin and fur on Renee's head. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we're cheating here because Renee did have um, his hair salon. I think it was in Turak. Oh right. So he w- he would have had access to mm. uh, a numerous a posse of cutters 
um, to keep that thing alive and, and looking well. Do you know what so, it looks like? It looks like Jonathan Brown, who through some minor miracle every mm. year on Fox footy, Jonathan Brown's hairline gets lower. You notice that? Mm. It, yeah. Lowest yeah, hairline yeah, in, the, uh, in the commentary circles, that's for sure. Mm, mm, mm. It's like the, uh, what's that stick game where they put the stick out and you kind of go under it? Limbo. Limbo? Yeah. Yeah, it Limbo. just keeps getting lower. Just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. <laughs> the Jonathan Brown limbo. <laughs> closer, closer to the floor. All right. So, Alex, before we close out another episode of Pie Hard, we are going to look forward to this week's match. Mm. Now, it's a highlight for Pie Hard every, every year when we do play the Suns uh, on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my question to you is what are you intending to do? Mm. It could be cook. It could be read during this Sunday's match. It's a good question. We we love these Sunday games against the Suns because uh, mm. it does give us a bit of time to do some cooking and some reading. Mm. I'm going to go with, um, just to keep it topical, I'm going to go with The Sun Also Rises, which was mm. oh, yeah. Hemingway's first Hemingway. novel. And, of course, there's some bullfighting in there. There's some yeah, set in Spain. lovemaking in Paris and, and, and bullfighting in Spain. Mm. Just a really mm. nice escapist, you know. If the weather comes in um, and I'm, I'm there mm. sequestered on the couch, I think that'll yeah. be a good start. Um, in terms of cooking, uh, maybe a chickpea tagine, something mm, healthy okay. but with a bit of a bit of girth, a bit of something, a bit of je ne sais quoi. Yeah, yeah, I like it. What about you, Dama? What are your plans for for a lazy Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I've got some. I've got a couple of exciting things lined up. Now they're not they're not anywhere near as exciting as playing the Gold Coast Suns on a Sunday, but I thought about um, being stuck in traffic. <laughs> That's um, so harsh. <laughs> uh, having 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 uh, having someone call me uh, call me up offering to sell me something. Good. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, for two and a half hours. Wait, waiting for uh, an internet connection to be restored. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Dealing with the NBN in general. Yeah. Listening. Listening to. Listening to. Uh, both of our politicians at the moment. Good. Uh, yep. And potentially watching some TV ads. <laughs> so a selection, a selection of things I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, eagerly tucking into this Sunday during the game. Yeah, just restorative. You know, getting back to basics. Mm. Um, it's nice yeah. when you get a week off, isn't it? Just the small things in life. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. That was a, a punchy episode of Pie Hard. Thanks to everyone for listening. This. It's pie hard. This one goes out to you, Lee. You bloody wet towel. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much of love drives a man insane. You broke my will, a bullet thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I let you love what I thought it was funny. You came along and you moved me, honey. I've changed my mind. This world is fine. The it's just great balls of fire. fire. Kiss the baby. Mm. Feels good. Hold me, baby. Well, I want to love you like I love you. You're fine. So kind. Got to tell this world that you're mine, 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 mine. It's just great balls of fire.